I grew up in a time where boxing was really very popular and very exciting, especially the heavyweights, the heavyweights like Liston and Clay slash Ali, Frazier and Foreman. Uh, they were big boxing matches all the time, and uh, sometimes those guys were, uh, they were knocked down, uh, but they got right back up again. Sometimes they were knocked down, and they were down for the count. And around that time, uh, we began to hear this music being played. Of course, we recognize that, the theme from Rocky. Rocky was a heavyweight, and oftentimes he was knocked down. And just when you thought he was knocked down and he was out, he would get back up off the canvas again. Quite uh, a hero. He was down, but he was not out. Of course, I had to take the obligatory photo in front of the Rocky statue and with my one adoring fan. The patriarch Joseph, in the book of Genesis, was knocked down. Uh, he was knocked down by the heavyweights of dysfunctional and deceptive people, uh, by difficult problems, and by disappointed plans. All of those in Joseph's life. He was sent down by his dad to go check on his brothers. The brothers took him and sold him to the Midianite. I mean, before that, he was sent down, he was thrown down into a pit, and then he was pulled out of the pit, and he was sold to the Midianites, and they brought him down into Egypt. And there he was thrust into the slave market, and shortly while after, he was put into a prison cell. Now, Joseph was down, but he was not out. And why was that? Well, God's Word tells us that. If you turn to Genesis chapter 39, Genesis chapter 39, we see not once, twice, but three times, it says this, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. And verse 23, the Lord was with him. Underline that, highlight that, circle that. The Lord was with him. The Lord in His faithful presence, His faithfulness, His goodness, His presence was with Joseph in His past, was with Joseph in His present, and would be with Joseph in His future. And the Lord was with Joseph because the Lord had a plan for Joseph's life. And the Lord wanted to accomplish some things. First of all, He wanted to save His people, God's people, and Joseph's people from extinction. Uh, there was going to be a severe famine. The family wasn't that big that then. He wanted to save them from extinction. Second of all, he wanted to be able to draw them away from the Canaanite influence, the wicked influence, because he did not want their destructive assimilation into the Canaanite pagan culture, and he wanted to be able to cause a separation for them to grow them. And thirdly, God had a plan for Joseph's life because he wanted his people, he wanted the nation of Israel uh, to form a nation that would have the proclamation of the good news of the one true God to all the peoples of the world. So the Lord in his faithfulness and through his presence used all the 
heavyweights of dysfunctional and deceptive people, of difficult problems, of disappointed plans to invest in Joseph's life in order for Joseph to be used by God in a great way. And as we'll come to understand this morning, the Lord in his faithfulness and with his presence uses the heavyweights, the heavyweights of dysfunctional and deceptive people, of difficult problems, of disappointed plans, even our own dysfunction uh, to build into us so that we can be used by him in a great way. He wants to take that which is part of our past, be a part of our present, and work in our lives so that our present and our future can be all that he wants it to be. So join me this morning as we continue this journey, as we trace Joseph's life in a series called Faith and Dysfunction, and really with the title of our message this morning being down, but not out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and the opportunity to worship through our praise, through our prayers, and through the proclamation of your word. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to teach us from your word so that the Lord Jesus Christ may be exalted. And we ask that you would bless and bear fruit from your word, and we echo the words of the psalmist who wrote, We bow down toward you and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, first of all, we see that Joseph was down, but he was not out because the Lord was with him to heal his past, to heal his past. The Lord involved himself in Joseph's life, and Joseph was healed to emerge from that dysfunction and difficulty that he faced. And when you think about Joseph's life, he had multiple moms, right? Jacob was married to four women. Uh, He had a bunch of half-brothers and sisters. There were tensions between the family members. There was deception and dishonesty with his grandfather toward his father, Jacob. Amongst his brothers, there was rape and incest and prostitution. And through all of that, as Joseph observes and is in the middle of that, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. Maybe you've come from a broken family, a mixed family, Uh, maybe a family with tensions, a family of brokenness and deception and dishonesty as you look back, a family with addictions. But as you look back, you see that the Lord was with you even in the midst of that. I, uh, I was thinking about that, and uh, my nana, my grandma, was uh, married four times to three different husbands, and the first being my grandfather, and uh, I didn't know it, but my grandfather actually served 12 years in prison for armed robbery. Now, I, did, I was too young at the time to know that, and then when he got out, I didn't go up and say, hey, pa. Tell me about uh, what it was like doing time. I, did, I didn't think that was appropriate uh, to probably ask my grandfather. So there was dysfunction on that. But I look back and I say, you know what? The Lord was with me through all of that. Uh, Joseph also experienced religious and humanistic superstitions, when you think about it. His mom stealing 
her father's household idols and then lying about it, and then having a bargain with her sister Leah to say, you give me these mandrakes when I think they're aphrodisiacs because I want to get pregnant, and I'll let you sleep with Jacob tonight. There was all kinds of stuff like that going on. The brothers wanted to get revenge for their sister's rape, and so they lied to the Shechemites, and then they went in and murdered them. And Joseph was in the midst of all of that, but the Lord was with him. And maybe you've come from a background of no Christian influence, maybe uh, an unbiblical uh, family unbiblical practices and lifestyles. And, uh, but through it all, through it all, as you look back, you see that the Lord was with you in that time. So the Lord was able to bring Joseph and emerge him from that dysfunction and difficulty. But second of all, he was able to establish his faith. Joseph was able, under the Lord's guiding, to establish a faith He benefited from the great heritage, didn't he, from his forerunners. Abraham, his great-grandfather, called by the Lord to walk in faith, had a covenant with the Lord to confirm that faith, called by the Lord to sacrifice his son Isaac, Jacob's grandfather, to demonstrate that faith, and then in the process, God substituting Isaac with a lamb, just as God the Father would sacrifice Jesus as a substitute for us. Joseph uh, benefited from his grandfather Isaac. Isaac, whose wife Rebekah was barren, and by faith he prayed and said, Oh Lord, give her children, and she was blessed with giving two children, Uncle Esau and Father Jacob to Joseph. And then his father Jacob, a deceiver, a conniver, And yet by faith wrestled with the Lord, and the Lord changed his name and changed his nature. All of that passed on to Joseph. And Joseph knew the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and knew that the Lord was with him. And we would see him grow and develop, and and we would see him demonstrate that back in chapter 39, verse 9, when confronted with Potiphar's wife. He said this, how then can I do such a great wickedness and sin against God? He gave a testimony to his faith. And shortly after, when he was in prison, he spoke to the cupbearer and the baker and says, "Uh, do not dreams belong to God? God was allowing Joseph to develop a faith life even in the midst of all of that, a faith that would keep him going. And maybe you look back and you can see how the Lord was with you, bringing you to faith or planting seeds of faith along the way. When I was young, uh, I remember around Easter time, probably about six and seven, a a movie came out called King of Kings, and Jeffrey Hunter played Jesus, and Orson Welles was one of the great actors and actresses, and just an amazing movie and the sounds, and I just remember, I didn't know the Lord then as a youngster, but... I saw 
the life of Jesus lived out and the great pageantry and the music and then I, I saw his crucifixion and I, I witnessed uh, the scene of his resurrection and, and the hope that that brought and the Lord was just very, I was very emotional watching those and the Lord was speaking into my heart planting those seeds of faith and Betty and I watched it uh, maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago, just to pull it and pulled it up on Netflix. And, and I had the same emotion. I've watched it, and the tears coming to my eyes. I said, wow, what a powerful movie. I can see how the Lord used that in my life. As we look back, despite all the, the difficulties we may have had, the Lord planting seeds, nurturing seeds. Now, thirdly, in Joseph's past, the Lord was helping him envision a future. Joseph was given not one, but two dreams in chapter 37. Pastor Jason mentioned those last week, verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers. Verse 9, he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers. God was helping Joseph. He didn't understand what those dreams meant. He shared them, but he didn't really know what it meant. But the Lord was giving him an idea that his life meant something, that there was a plan and a purpose for his life. He was envisioning that future. And though he didn't understand it fully at the time, it gave him hope. Even when he was going to be knocked down, there was a sense there was a future ahead of me. I was, uh, before I started driving, uh, my folks would drive me around, as, as they did you, right? And um, uh, both were good drivers, and uh, my dad was driving me, and uh, we were driving to basketball practice one night, and we were going, went through a green light just like we should, and some guy came barreling through a red light, and I mean, he was hauling, he went right through, and wham, he hit right on the passenger side tire, feet if not inches from hitting me, and of course, that was long before uh, safety belt harnesses or anything like that, and it just miss me, just collapsed the entire front of the car. And I look back and say, wow, the Lord, you protected me from that. A short while later, we were driving again and on the Eisenhower Expressway, and of course, you were always taking your life in your hand when you went on the Eisenhower there in Chicago, and we're driving on the Eisenhower, my dad's driving, and a couple cars kind of merged, and they, they collided. My dad hit the brakes, he stopped, missed them like he should have, but boom, 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 cars piled in behind who were going too fast and too close. And through that, the Lord still protected me. And I look back, and he had a plan and purpose for my life and spared me then. And as difficult as your past may have been, and I know difficult pasts abound, as, long, as difficult as it has been, it is important to see how the Lord in his love, grace, his sovereign and providential care guided you, protected you, helped you, led you to have a future, to be right here where you are today. And I think that's why, you know, that familiar verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 28 is so good. And we know that in all things God works for the good who those who love him are called according to his purpose. When you look, you know, we could say that and we kind of just rattle it off sometimes. But look at that verse for a second. And we know. It's not something uncertain. We know. God says, I, I, I'm telling you, this is a certainty. That in all things, not just uh, the big things, major things, but in all all things God. God, the omniscient, omnipotent, all-present God. God works 
for the good, his good and our good. Not everything is good. Not all the difficulties and dysfunctions and disappointments we face are good. No, they're not. They're not. But God works them for the good to those what, who love him, who are called according to his purpose, being in him, knowing him, trusting him. God was helping and healing Joseph in his past. But second of all, Joseph was down and out, but not out, because the Lord was with him to help his present, help his present. How do we see that? Well, he granted success to Joseph. Chapter 39, again, Joseph is in the slave market. It says the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. He was purchased by Potiphar, not just anybody, but one of the most powerful men in all of Egypt, purchased him out of the slave market. God wanted him right there in that place. And the Lord gave him skills and gave him the ability to use those skills. He said he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. The Lord was with Joseph, even in the midst of being in a country he didn't want to be, in a place he didn't want to be. Gave him those skills and was with him. And the Lord has given you the skills, the experience, the heart, the passion to be right where you are right now. Whatever place that is, whatever assignment you're in right now, the Lord has placed you there and given you favor to do that because he's with you. Second of all, we see that he was guarded. Joseph was guarded from being seduced. If we know the story, if we remember Potiphar's wife, took a liking to Joseph, a young man, handsome young man, and began to try to seduce him. Lie with me, lie with me, lie with me. And Joseph said, no, no, how could I sin against God and do this wicked thing and, and betray my master, Potiphar? No, no, no. And then one day, when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were there in the house, she, Potiphar's wife, caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But, she left his, but he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. God had protected Joseph and kept him from being seduced and failing the test. Joseph passed the test, right? Passed the test, and he was able to honor the Lord through that. And the Lord is guiding and guarding you in the midst of temptations, in the midst of trials, difficulties you're facing, he is there to deliver you out and to strengthen you and guide you. And thirdly, he was with Joseph in his present because he, he even guided him into a cell. You say, well, what kind of uh, provision is that with the Lord? But the Lord had a plan. The Lord wanted, in his all-wise understanding, the Lord wanted Joseph in that cell, that prison, for two more years until the time was right to be brought before Pharaoh. And he was in that prison cell. Didn't want to be there, but he made the best of it while he was in there. Verse 20 and 21. And Joseph's master took him, threw him in the prison when his wife had accused him. Potiphar did that. In the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. 
The Lord had him right in that cell and cared for him. Maybe you, maybe you feel like you're in the prison cell of addiction, maybe of broken relationship, maybe of a family that don't have faith, maybe ongoing health concerns, maybe the loss of a loved one. The Lord is with you. He is there to help in the present in your situation. Psalm 46, verse 1, the psalmist says, God is our refuge and strength, a very, what? Present help in times of trouble. A present help. The Lord is with us. I love this quote from the late Alan Redpath, pastor and author of Moody Church, says, there is nothing, no circumstance, no trouble, no testing that can ever touch me until, first of all, it has gone past God, past Christ, all the way to me. And if it has come that far, it has come with a great purpose, which I may not understand at the moment. But as I refuse to panic, as I lift up my eyes and accept it as coming from the throne of God for some great purpose of blessing to my own heart, no sorrow will ever disturb me. No circumstance will cause me to fret, for I shall rest in what the joy of my Lord is. That is the rest of victory. That is the rest of victory. That part of the story finishes, and Joseph tells the cupbearer and the baker, you're going to be lifted up out of prison by Pharaoh in three days. Cupbearer, you're going to be restored, and baker, you're going to be executed. And he tells the cupbearer, he says, please remember me when you get out of here. I've been brought here unjustly. I have, I have suffered in here. Get me out. And at the end of chapter 40, these words, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. Sometimes we're forgotten by man, aren't we? But God remembers. Joseph was forgotten for a while, but God remembered. God was with him in that time. And that's why Jesus can say some of his final words to his disciples then and to his disciples, you and me today. Surely, lo, I am with you, what? Always. Always, even to the end of the age. He's always there, always with us. Thirdly, lastly, finally, Joseph was down, and, but not out, because the Lord will be with him to give him a hope for the future. Joseph had experienced the heavyweights, <clears throat> dysfunctional and deceptive people of difficult problems, of, dis of disappointed plans, and yet through all of that, the Lord was working his faithful presence was in Joseph's life. Now, Joseph couldn't have planned. Think about this. He couldn't have planned when he was a teenager in Canaan and said, I want to be the second most powerful man in the world someday. Uh, what school do I need to go to? What network do I need to have? What, need, what do I need on my resume? He couldn't have done that. Only God could have done that. God in his faithful presence and working in Joseph's life. And the Lord will use Joseph to save the Lord's people and Joseph's people. And the Lord will use Joseph to bring healing to his dysfunctional family. But you have to come back the next two weeks to find out about that.
But for us today, the Lord promises his faithful presence in our earthly life. Jot this down. Remember Philippians 1.6. What a great verse to remember. He who began a good work in you will what? Be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Faithful to complete it. And in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, the author says, For the Lord has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And the way that that's written in the Greek, I will never, ever, ever leave you or forsake you. That's important to know for our earthly life. But the Lord promises that his presence will be with us in our eternal life. I turn to Revelation chapter 21, second to last chapter in the New Testament. And John is receiving the revelation from the Lord Jesus. And he says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Amen. The Lord is promising that for our eternal life, the life to come. Warren Wiersbe, pastor author, said this, The assurance of a heavenly home at the end of life's road enables us to bear joyfully with the obstacles and battles along the way. The hymn writer said, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full to his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So this morning we've looked at God's word and he reminds us that we can be knocked down but we're not out because that through his faithful presence he brings healing to our past. That through his faithful presence he is a help in our present. And through his faithful presence he will bring hope, gives us hope for the future. Those promises of healing, of help, of hope, those are for those who are in Christ. God's word says, what, that we are all dysfunctional. We are, biblically speaking, all down and out for the count. We are down and out. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is what? Death, physical death and spiritual death. I've been teaching through the book of Ephesians, finished last week, and in that book of Ephesians, in two different sections, it says this, for we were by nature children of wrath, by our own nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, and the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. In the Gospel of John chapter 3, John the Baptist said this, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever does not obey the Son of God does not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. That's all of our condition before coming to Christ. But the gospel, the good news, the hope in God and his love and his grace 
did something about it. And Jesus is the one. He came down from heaven. He was down in a manger. He was down on his knees in the garden praying before the cross. He was laid down on a cross and nails were pounded into his wrists and feet. And when he was crucified, he was laid down in a tomb. And I think Satan thought he was down for the count. Jesus was down, but he wasn't down for the count. Because on the third day, he rose from the dead. And he ascended into heaven. And he reigns forevermore. And he's returning to establish his kingdom. He was down, but he was not out. So the call to us today is to make sure we are in Christ, that we have trusted him. And how do we do that? We do that, first of all, by repenting from sin. Acts chapter 17, verse 30, God commands all people everywhere to repent, to change our mind. We're going away from God and we realize that and we turn and we come back to him. Repent from sin. And second of all, receive the Savior. John 1:12. for as many as received him, Christ, to them he gave the power to become children of God, even to them that believe in his name. Let him, the Lord Jesus Christ, lift you off that canvas if you've been knocked down to lift you up and give you his faithful presence, his forgiveness, his healing, his help, his hope, his abundant life now, and his eternal life in the life to come. Will you do that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time this morning. Lord, we extend an invitation at this time to anyone who may be here this morning, may come to church for the first time, may have come for the hundredth time, but may have never trusted Christ, repented of sin, and received the Savior. May today be that day that they trust Jesus and come to faith in him. And Lord, we thank you for your presence in our past, your faithful presence in our life today, our, your presence in our life in the days that you give us to come. Thank you. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your hope. And may those be constant reminders in our life as we trust in you, wait on you. Lord, we ask that you prepare our hearts for communion today, the Lord's table. Lord, where we have sinned in thought, in word, in act, we ask forgiveness. Lord, that we would come to the table clean and receive the strength, the encouragement, the guidance, the sense of your presence that we need to have. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.